your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. Well, hi again and happy new year, everybody. Welcome back to the Anchor Up podcast. Hope you had a great holiday season, winter break, but we have turned the calendar to 2021 and sports are back on it. We are in game week. This is the last Anchor Up podcast we'll have without having some results to break down for you from Grand Valley State Athletics. The Anchor Up podcast is brought to you by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GVSU Athletics. Your health, our passion. Today is Thursday, January 7th. And on the program today, we have the athletic director at Grand Valley State, Kerry Becker. And what a fitting interview for us to have here as sports get rolling again. And Tim, it was fun to go back with her and talk about what this past 308 days was like, what's going to look like going forward, and everything in between. But first of all, Happy New Year to you, Tim. Happy New Year to you, Jake. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, you know, not many people start a podcast without, like, sports. Start a sport a podcast about college athletics without, without college yeah. athletics. I mean, and we did that. Yeah. We, su- we successfully started a podcast with without the benefit of having games to talk about. So it's been a lot of fun, and uh, uh, we were able to dig, you know, go back through the files and uh, and the history of Laker athletics and and do some great interviews. And now, but we're both excited about the prospect of talking about events. Yeah, and, and, and student athletes and coaches and wins and and tough losses and kind of. As we move forward. Yeah, it's going to be exciting now. This podcast is going to kind of change a little bit. We're still going to have guests on basically every week and bring you some insights, some some current, some former GVSU coaches, administrators, athletes, and have some fun reminiscing still. But now this portion of the podcast is going to change as we get to kind of talk about what happened this previous week, what's coming up. So it's, we're really excited to break down some games, to give you some recaps, to really revolve around the actual sporting events that are coming. This is the last one that we have with nothing of previous note to talk about, but we do actually have games to preview this weekend that we're really excited to get to. Before we do break down those games coming up against Saginaw Valley, we remind you the Anchor Up podcast is brought to you in part by NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics by PNC Bank, the official bank of GVSU Athletics, PNC Bank, for the achiever in you, and by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Coming up this week, the hardwood is in action men's and women's basketball taking on Saginaw Valley State in the Battle of the Valleys. And Tim, when you look on the men's side, let's start there. The Lakers are at home this Saturday and Sunday. The Lakers will host Saginaw Valley at 1 p.m. on Saturday, 3 p.m. on Sunday. All of those games available on the GVSN app, watchgvsn.com. You can hear the Saturday game on Talk 1230 WTKG and the Sunday game on ESPN 961, the normal radio home for GVSU men's basketball. But these are two really veteran teams that you look at coming into it. Of course, Grand Valley State has the six seniors that lead the way yeah and it's going to be a, a you know interesting way to start the year we really don't know what to expect from either either team there's no preseason um you know teams had a few inner squad scrimmages maybe an outside scrimmage uh that nobody has seen there's no video there's no film you know what kind of is coming back um but it, a lot of unknowns and uh it, it, we, we were talking about and just not knowing Saginaw is a really good team they have some really good players uh so you're really diving into the 
into the frying pan uh, and and to see what you have. And obviously, the Grand Valley State returns key players at at each position with some with some newcomers and uh, that are going to be f- filling roles of of importance. And so, it, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's there's no preseason, and that's that's the biggest thing. There's no preseason games. There's no non-conference slate of games. Uh, you're jumping right into the Gliak action. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get a full breakdown of the GVSU men's basketball roster in our archive, we talked to head coach Rick Wesley in the last episode at the end of 2020 about his team. So go ahead back and give a listen to that if you want to get ready for some GVSU basketball and take a deep dive into the roster. We're going to take a dive into these games coming up. Like Tim said, obviously there's no way of knowing what's going to happen. There's no real predictor here in 2021. So many things have changed in the 300 days between when any team took the court and when they do so again here. But one thing we do know about Saginaw Valley, they return a lot of really good players. Miles Ballou was an NABC All-American last year. Malik Ellison was also outstanding for them a year ago. They do lose Fred John, who was their big post player. Mm-hmm. But guys like Innocent and Woko, seven foot tall. They have three guys, Tim, on their roster, at least seven feet tall so a lot of size for the Saginaw Valley team well, he, he's really gone into the international Australian uh, uh, um, pipeline in terms of bringing in kids and so again that even creates more of an unknown because you don't know about what these kids bring a lot you know if, if you're if you have transfers or high school kids you kind of know kind of who they are when you're bringing in the, in the Australian pipeline you really don't know um, but yeah Maz Blue is obviously an outstanding player player with Jake Van Tuberken preseason All-American, uh, along with being an All-American last year. So you're going to have two elite players there. Um, uh, I'm excited to see uh, um, uh, DeLeon Brown for, for Grand Valley State. I mean, you know, he is a transfer from Colorado. You know, what's he going to bring to the table? Grand is a Christian product, um, explosive player, uh, you know, again, unknown as to what he's going to do in GLIAC play. Two things the Lakers did really good a year ago was shooting defense and rebounding, and that's something that's going to be really key in this game against Saginaw Valley. They had the second-worst field goal percentage in the league last year, just shooting about 430 from the floor as a team. So Grand Valley's going to have a chance to really flex that defensive muscle right away. Of course, Christian Negron was all GLIAC defensive. He's going to be asked to take on guys five, five, six inches taller than him, but if there's anybody up to the task, pardon the pun, it's Christian Negron. Yeah, and I, you know, and, uh, a couple of uh, inter-squad scrimmages and uh, a scrimmage with Olivet College. Um, he was impressive. I mean, he looked really, really good. Uh, you know, he had a great summer, um, put in a lot of work. And one thing that this team has did, they put in the work during the offseason that you weren't sure you were able to put in. You know, and it, and it came from going back to the grassroots, the outdoor courts here but by the tennis courts. The men's basketball team used those outside courts to improve their game, and Christian and DeLeon, um, Austin Braun, and those guys really put in the time on those courts, kind of going back to the grassroots of, of your youth in terms of playing outside pickup basketball. Yeah, I think DeLeon Brown had to turn the headlights on his car oh, to get crazy. just enough light to keep was, shooting as long as he was out there. He was out there all the time. But you look at the, what these teams can do, and I think it does come back, Tim. We talked about it a little bit with Coach Wesley back in 2020, but goes back to the Lakers being left off the NCAA tournament Chip on your shoulder. So yeah. even though the tournament didn't wind up happening, you still know that you weren't one of those eight teams. And it was surprising based on them being ranked fourth in the final poll before the selection Sunday. And when it didn't happen, you could tell that this team really had an edge to them. And even though the tournament didn't happen, so they didn't have to watch you know, teams that they thought that they should have been possibly ranked ahead of play, you still knew you weren't even invited to the dance even though it didn't happen. So having that little fuel, although of course you'll never say it's a positive thing, but maybe that is something that kind of fueled this summer even 
even more than some of the other teams that have, of course, had to deal with the same stressors. I overheard a conversation with Isaac Gassman and Jake Van Tuberken, and they were talking about that same – the last time they were they, – you know, they lost in the semifinals of the GLIAC tournament, um, and then they weren't invited to the NCAA tournament. And, and what a disappointment that was and how that's fueled the fire for them to get to this point, Al along with – Everything in between, between the social injustice and the COVID-19 and everything else that they had to deal with, you know, they've gotten back to the point where they're about ready to hit the court and play, and they're so excited uh, for the upcoming season and just, just to see what, you know, they've done and the time they've put into it. Yeah, and of course, it's also great to see yourself against somebody else when the lights shine bright, right? I mean, I think in those Dallas Cowboys mid-90s Super Bowl championship teams, every year they went 0-4 in the preseason, yeah. right? So sometimes when the competition isn't real, when the bright lights aren't on, when it doesn't count, it's really hard to get the, the juices flowing. So for a team like this, it's picked to win the Gleaks out that has so much talent returning that knows there's going to be some pretty big expectations plus that chip on their shoulder. I think they're just chomping at the bit to get somebody in a different color jersey to play for real. Yeah, and it's going to be a different environment as well. I mean, no fans allowed. Um, so it's going to be that uh, kind of AAU summer um, circuit where you've where you, you know, your parents were in, in the stands. You're not even going to have your parents in the stands not now. Um, so how are you going to generate that enthusiasm? And I, I know they're going to be enthused to play, but that momentum and, it, you know, it, when Christian has a dunk, there's not going to be the crowd, you know, uh, standing on their feet and clapping and, and cheering. Um, it's going to be kind of a, a very subdued environment because you're not going to have the fans. And we're going to try to create the environment that we can for our home games, the best environment we can to create that excitement with uh, piped-in fan noise and, and the video board and music. But, again, it's going to be a weird situation because when they're on the court, you're going to hear a bunch of, of screeching and shoes, and, and, and you know, you're going to be able to hear them Screen, screen. You know, I mean, you're going to hear all the stuff that, that you've heard in the NFL games and the, and the college basketball games on, on, on TV so far. So it's going to be a different environment, and we're not really sure what the product is going to be on the, on the court for the teams, but we're excited. Yeah, hopefully just the excitement of playing a real game is enough to help you bring that juice after all this buildup. Mm -hmm. I remember we talked to Nick Kaiser you know, earlier on this podcast about it. He said it was really weird going out into the cavernous stadiums. Now, granted, this isn't an NFL stadium right. that has 80,000 empty seats, but it's still going to be very different than the usual. But one thing, and maybe, Tim, you can kind of help put a punctuation to this. Since I've been here, I think one thing that Coach Wesley and the staff has done a really good job of, that bench always has a ton of energy, even they when do. the place was packed. Yeah. It, was, it always stood out to me how much juice – the mm -hmm. bench has. And I think this year especially is going to be even more important that they keep that going. I agree. And that, you know, they've always been enthused and he's always done a great job of keeping those guys involved. I'll tell you what also is going to be depth. You're going to see more depth of these teams this year because you're going to have to play guys. You're going to run into a situation where somebody might be contact traced. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be – so having those guys play a role and play meaningful minutes is going to be key. And I think that they've done a good job of establishing that 8- to 10-person um, team – where they're going to be reliant, you know, you're going to need those guys more than you probably have in the past, and you're going to infuse them into situations and games where, where, where maybe you haven't in the past. And so, because you need that depth, there's going to be a time when you're going on a road trip where you might not, not take two guys because of contact tracing or whatever. Right. And so you're going to need those guys to step up, and he, he's done a good job building that depth uh, with uh, Coach Taylor and Coach Wallace and, and, and building that roster. And, of course, it also helps that this doesn't 
burn a year of eligibility for anybody. Right. So maybe a true freshman that you would have thought about redshirting yeah. or giving a chance to kind of work out. Mm -hmm. Instead, you get to give them that same opportunity, but they get to do it while also getting a potential chance to play some real meaningful minutes. So that exactly. could be crucial for a guy like Ethan Alderink, who comes in from Holland Christian, who's a true freshman. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you look at this roster and you say, wow, we've got these six forwards ahead of him, maybe you'd redshirt him. But now not because you know he doesn't burn the year anyway and he gets a chance to play some minutes or something like that. That's a great yeah. example of some different guys that could have that opportunity to play some more meetings because of the year not counting towards their eligibility. So the men's basketball team takes on Saginaw Valley this weekend. Of course, you can follow at GVSU Basketball on social media. You can hear the games live, Talk 1230 WTKG on Saturday, ESPN 961 on Sunday, and then watch the game for 995 per broadcast by visiting watchgvsn.com or the GVSN app. Well, the first official athletic event is on the other side. It's the women's basketball team. They travel to Saginaw Valley State on Friday evening or Friday afternoon to play that game at 3 p.m. You can check out our website, gvsulakers.com or at gvsuwbb on social media for all the places where you can find access to that game as it happens. But really excited to see a Laker team come, and it's only 48 hours away. Yeah, and, you know, the excitement of that team is you have an infusion of newcomers that are going to be relied on. And uh, now it's, it's funny because we were talking to Coach Sayers um, previously in a podcast but also just in the in the hallways and, and talk to him about practices and I, I think they've had a couple scrimmages down at Bethel College um one against Indianapolis and one Purdue against Northwest Bethel. yep and um and I think the coaches were pleasantly surprised with the outcomes of those scrimmages um in, Indianapolis was coming off a victory over Southern Indiana who was previously undefeated and the Lakers did a pretty formidable job against uh, Indianapolis so the you know I'm not sure how much score was kept or what the scoreboard said, but, you know, and just talking to the coaches, it was an impressive probably 20-point win in, in the second half. Um, but I'm excited because, w and we talked about this, you know, the girls that are returning, you know, played against arguably one of the top five teams in the country every last day. year, every day, for the last three years. So those kids, just through that alone, you're, you're, you're honing your craft and you're getting better. And I think that th our coaches might have even underestimated how much that helped because when you talk to them about shooting and about scoring, they don't have the 20-point Cassidy Bench or, you know, or Maddie Daly or Jen DeBoer who might pop in 27. They have a bunch of young ladies who are 7 to 10, 11 points, but there's 7, 8, 9 of them. Right. Well, when you add those numbers up, it's a pretty impressive and formidable offensive unit. And so I think that uh, I'm really excited to watch this group play of, of the returnees um, along with the a group of freshmen who I think are really talented. Um, uh, and, and it's just to see, see what they do because obviously we know the coaching aspect is taken care of. Coach Williams, Coach Sayers do a phenomenal job offensively and defensively. They're going to play hard. They're well coached. Um, they're going to do the little things. They're going to rebound. They're going to play great defense. They're going to tip balls. And, and, and so you know that is just – that is – instilled in them every day now what are they going to do when they're called upon and they have to score that bucket yeah i mean emily spitzley 
mentioned it in Zach Herrig's great story for Fox 17, breaking down the women's team ahead of this weekend. You know, she talked about how important it was to go against that outstanding team in practice every day and be that scout team that had to face a Maddie Daly in practice and realize what it's like to be that tenacious on defense and what it takes to tip a shot as opposed to blocking a shot, how your feet position matters so much and all the different things that these young ladies have picked up over the last few years. Now they get to put it on the court. And again, just like we mentioned for the men, it doesn't count against their eligibility. So this is a huge opportunity Mm -hmm. for these young ladies to get their feet wet in a team that had a lot of very small role players are going to get pushed up into very large roles this year and also as you mentioned really talented freshman class that all get to kind of let the pieces fall kind of in a year that doesn't count against their eligibility while still competing for something i know there's a lot of people out there in the gliac and and regionally i think we're going to take a major step back because of what we lost and um i I always think it's you know when you when you have those kids and you have the coaching and those kids are going against that top team and practice every day for the last two or three years, um, the development, and that's what we talked about, the development of their game and the development of their knowledge of the game, um, I think is understated. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited, excited to see this team perform. Speaking of not taking a step back, but instead a step forward, Athletic Director Kerry Becker talks all about that here in our interview. Let's get to that right now. Our guest interviews are brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light is distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. All right, here is the Athletic Director here at Grand Valley State, Kerry Becker. And with that, we welcome on the Athletic Director of Grand Valley State Athletics, Kerry Becker, for the first time to kick off 2021. Carrie, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I am more than happy to see 2021. No, I think we all are really happy to see sports coming back. They're on the horizon this weekend. GVSU basketball on the home floor. 308 days between athletic events hosted by Grand Valley State. You as the athletic director, how does that sound to you? It has a ring that unlike no other. I'm so excited for the games this weekend and to get going and, and basically being here seven days a week. Uh, enjoying athletics and seeing really the fruits of all the labors and all the trials and tribulations and 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 uh, the reward for this last fall. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really long 300-plus days for all of us, yourself included. So what's been, as you kind of have to try to spearhead this athletic department's morale, number one, and the day-to-day operation to get everybody from that day on March 17th when everything's shut down here now to January 7th when we get to roll things back out, what's been your kind of mental acute – what's been your goal mentally to kind of keep the athletic department players, coaches, staff, everybody kind of on board and engaged? Well, first, we are blessed to have – have a very intrinsically and highly motivated group, both administrative support, coaching staff. Uh, and so I, I don't need to, to, to do much because they're all so driven and competitive. But I actually had our first head coaches meeting this morning and an all-staff meeting uh, following that. And one of the things I did is it acknowledged you know, what we all went through this past year and the barriers, um, not barriers, but it, they were hurdles. And we jumped over them. We jumped over them because of the, the culture we have and, and the dedication and loyalty all of our, our staff has. Um, and, and, and rode the roller coaster, if you will, and the ups and downs of COVID altogether. So I acknowledge and thank them one more time, one last time for enduring 2020 altogether, um, and reminded them and acknowledged uh, the leadership of our university and being able to do what we, we did accomplish in the fall. Um, and then I, I set the stage for this year and said, and then now I need more. 
I need more because now we have competitions. It is my goal, um, though pauses and, and cancellations or postponements may be a reality, uh, the, the motivating or the competitive piece of me is I want to be that school that doesn't cause them. I want to, and so I, I encouraged everybody, number one, we have to stay healthy. We have to keep everybody in the office. We have to keep every, all the coaches on the courts and stay healthy. And so to remain diligent of the things that got us through the fall with, you know, the four biggies, self-assessment, testing, masking, hygiene, cleaning, et cetera, and just continuing to drive home those things um, that aren't new to anybody, uh, but reinforcing it because now what's at stake is playing games. And that's what we all, we've been waiting to do. There's obviously been so many things beyond anyone's control as you try to make plans. And it seems like every time someone lays a plan, the plan gets blown up by something that, you know, you have no control over. I know that's been mentally anguishing for a lot of people in a bunch of different worlds. But for you, could you just kind of take us through the process of getting us from absolutely no events to now having a full schedule going forward? Maybe what the ups and downs were and kind of how that process happened. Yeah, I think when you work in athletics, you always you always are, are ready to pivot and take advantage of the opportunities. I think as a whole, I think athletics, uh, people that work in athletics move way faster than most places and most different, even departments on our campus. We're ready to just hit the go button and we figure out how to get to yes. We figure out how to make it work. We make uh, lemonade when they give you lemons. And I so that, that, that hasn't changed. So while you're dealing with the six inches in front of your face is the best way to put it. While you're dealing with the six inches in front of your face, you have the other foot in the future and whatever that planning horizon is. That planning horizon used to be in January and February, we were planning for the fall. Well, our planning horizon shrunk to about two weeks, and that's probably long even now. And I think um, we just had to be able to plan with what we knew now, make decisions with what we knew now, and lean on the abil- our ability to really always be willing to flex uh, and not break and uh, just, just handle what we needed to handle with the, the, the first six inches. And so that's been my mindset. And then really trying my dangdest to communicate as much as possible in the environment where communication didn't happen just walking around from office to office. And, you know, over those 308 days, the communication evolved to where we found a good rhythm, I think, of communicating with staff and with coaches uh, and, and try not to get caught in the Zoom fatigue. And so keeping the communications relevant. And it, it was really came down to a mix of emails. And I even have a group text going with my head coaches that I hadn't had before that in those moments I used it to emails. But we all knew emails were flying and getting flooded to the Zooms. And then even did a couple in person when we had the opportunity just so I could see their smiling faces. And, and, uh, and just keep it going with the routine of communication. Whether I had anything to say, it was just – reinforcing where we were at and where we were going and, un- and trying to understand what everybody needed from me uh, because I wasn't as available because we just weren't together on a daily basis. At least that's what it felt like. What was the most difficult uh, thing for you? I mean, obviously, this, the, str- the mental stress was, mm-hmm. was, was huge. But what was the most difficult thing for you to deal with and, and communicate to the department? Gosh. The difficulty is, is the change and, and just as soon as I'm a person that I say what I mean, I mean what I say, I try to think through my decisions. Sometimes I can be a quick decision maker, uh, but sometimes I try to figure out, I think, how my, my growth is. I've learned to pause a little bit, think a little bit before making decisions. But in, the difficult thing is when I did make decisions, I had to make different decisions. And so, it, and that created 
uh, stress for everybody else when I had to make a different decision. Um, or then I'll all, and the other thing was the balance of where the decisions were coming out of. You know, our medical staff uh, took on a huge load of trying to be athletic trainers for our student athletes, but all this COVID education and understanding understanding the virus and understanding how to communicate that virus and then and, and allowing them to make decisions and, and that communication to happen but to also step in so to take some of that burden from their shoulders and and help with that process I think that was that was difficult um you know and it's also there's two other things that were difficult is one you take for granted uh your ability to see people and communicate face to face we all try to be mindful of the best way to communicate some people love text some people love a phone call some people i just they, i gotta go in their door i just run over to their doorway because they're not going to see my email for a day um and so it i had to i had to think about that differently because not only weren't we here we were all in different places uh and we were still trying to to, to make things go and so um, the thing that wasn't difficult was the trust in my staff and my coaches to do what they needed to do when they needed to do it um, for what their purpose was in delivering a student-athlete experience. And so um, that helped me when I, when I came to my moments of struggle of making sure that I, as the leader of this department, I was actually leading in a way that was helpful to people. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to that in a second, but you know, you talk about the interpersonal connections with the people in this building. You also have to deal with the university side. You also have to deal with the GLIAC. You have to deal with the NCAA. You're pulled in a bunch of different directions that maybe people aren't quite as aware of. Give us some insight into what kind of the GLIAC conversations were like as this whole conference. You know, you've got schools that are in very different positions mm-hmm. all across this state and beyond. What was it like getting all of those schools in the room together digitally, obviously, right. and figuring out how to move forward? Yeah, I think. For me, I had to think about what was going on on the national level, then what was going on on the state level. Then, for me, it was what was going on at Grand Valley and then the GLIAC. Sometimes that could be the other way around, the conference and the institution. I knew I needed to take care of my student-athletes first and figure out how we were going to do what it is we could do. Even I always, my mantra was, if we can't do what we want to do, we do what we can do. And so I shifted that. Now, the GLIAC conversations, we as ADs met every Friday, I think, since June. Some of those conversations weren't quite as productive as others, uh, mostly because of the uncertainty of where every campus and what it revealed is the difference in how campuses leadership, university leadership was handling this and making decisions. And then the other difference is where athletics fit into their decision making and their priorities. And so sometimes I found that we couldn't make decisions on things that I thought we should have only because institutions weren't, they were still not certain what they were doing or couldn't do something, um, you know, but then it, that evolved into, you know, as, as, as different entities, the national level, when I say national level, uh, NCAA, when they came out with things, you would think, okay, we have information, but what that really did is created more questions, right? And so you worked through those, and then we got in a good rhythm of just working through what did that mean for the GLIAC, but also, at the same time, what does that mean for our institution and how are we going to ad- adjust with that? So it was, a, it was a different kind of roller coaster because now you just don't have to worry about your institution. I mean, we're trying to play. We're trying to do give every chance to practice and play. Uh, but you got to have somebody to play. So you do have to care about what Northwood's doing, what, what Ashland's doing. And, and then you have other states in their, in their uh, protocols that enter into that, that complicated things. And, and probably complicates it now more today than it did back in the summer when everybody was just in a voluntary workout status. So it was, it was interesting, the conversations, and mostly around uh, comp- competitive seasons, whether we would or wouldn't, 
and then what were what was going to be the common GLIAC protocols? What made sense? And and then we finally landed on those. And then it was just Michigan has been a, a little bit of a waiting game based on our our current scenario. When you look at travel, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously one team has to be on the road, one team has to be home. That's the only way you can have athletic competition. When you look at travel, what are some of the protocols that you've put in place that you think have increased the safety and the protocols you've had to adjust to for COVID in this traveling? Right. Well, I think beyond the the typical big four, the self assessments, the testing, the hygiene, masking, and the in in the physical distance, right? Is one of the big things that we did is I made a decision that we were going to put 26 people on a bus, one person in every seat, and then worked with our local health department to say what's the impact of that on a on a contact tracing situation? Because obviously our number one goal is to not let pe- not put people in a situation where they get sick. That's that's the first thing. But then the next thing is if there is somebody symptomatic. Um, and, and they won't, we won't know if they're positive on the road, but if they're symptomatic, how do we make sure it doesn't spread, right? Or, mm-hmm. and, or, or really get our, other kids or coaches into a quarantine situation. So how do we mitigate? We won't eliminate contact tracing, but mitigate the contact tracing that might occur because of a symptomatic so that we can keep every, as many people as healthy as possible. It's not going to be, it's going to be impossible to not have zero cases but how do we minimize the spread even within our own so the first thing is the easy thing was okay we're just we're not going to throw everybody in a bus we're going to take 26 people in a bus you got a bigger travel party uh we'll take a van you got an even bigger travel party i told the baseball when you go to parkside he wants to take all of his guys take two buses to me that's an easy expenditure that isn't normal that we want to do why because i think the bus is one of the biggest places where you're going to get exposure mm-hmm. it's not so much in, inherent in the sports all of them some of them is basketball football really the high contact but in baseballs and golf and tennis it's what can we do to mitigate those those other spaces and so we focused on that and and then put things in place for eating you know you don't go in restaurants try not to eat on the bus if you can get off stop at a park and everybody's spread out great we live in Michigan. I don't know. <laughs> maybe if that's not a, everywhere. Maybe not. But I said, I mean, I, we went as, as today to the coaches. I said, I'm not suggesting you get off the bus in 30-degree weather to go eat a sub. So what you do, if you can't possibly do it, everybody unmask, eats, no talking, faces forward. You just got your face in your box. And now, again, you're, that means there's no aerosols running around. People are talking and eating like we all love to do. So that seems trivial, but it's not. Those are those little things that add up to big things where we can possibly limit some sort of possible exposure. What's been the most rewarding thing for you in terms of that was a difficult situation dealing with everything. Mm -hmm. What's been the the most rewarding thing through this whole process, 308 days without sports uh, for you as as an athletic director? Uh, you know, I, I gosh, rewarding when you don't have games being played, <laughs> and I, I'm a competitive person. But you know, the rewarding thing is is found, and I think in the realization of the people you're surrounded with. When I woke up on January 1st, I said, "Wow, I'm one so grateful to be at this university and how they have navigated this." And this was after an AD meeting where I realized we're going into the first round of basketball, and we are in such a better place. The other rewarding thing is when I've talked to a couple student athletes, it hasn't been a complaint about what they couldn't do, but man, how grateful they were with what they did get to do uh, and, and how our coaches continued to engage them. Our coaches didn't go home and kick their feet up on the couch. Uh, they went right to work and figured out how do we keep, how do we keep these student athletes engaged when they don't have their sport. Um, and then also take, you know, I, what's also rewarding is we were able to take advantage 
of the time to insert some things we never had enough time for. And our coaches really took good ownership of that and did that. It wasn't something that the staff had to do or administration did. It was, that was coach-driven that, you know what, we're going to spend some time talking to these guys about finances. We're going to spend some time talking about the social justice issues and voting. And hopefully the, the silver lining with that is you never really wanted to take more time away from getting your swings in, right, or getting your, your reps. Uh, but I think we found some ways that where we can sustain those things and fit it into our schedule when life, quote-unquote, goes back to normal sports. Yeah, just to touch on that, when you go back to that march that they had here on campus for the African-American community, and you mm -hmm. saw several different teams move their practice around just to make sure that all of their athletes, not just those of African-American heritage, but everyone could participate. And we had a really outstanding turnout from that. I know you mentioned that as one of the mm -hmm. things you're most proud of, but talk a bit more about the way that this athletic department kind of, and not even from the top down, just kind of everybody intrinsically took that upon themselves. Yeah, again, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a top down. And, and I actually was almost to tears when I looked around and saw our teams. And you see a little bit more into your student athletes that, uh, they care so much more outside of themselves. And you always knew that, but then you saw it. And, and, and again, some of that's the silver lining in that our student-athletes do realize that they not only have a voice like everyone else, but they have a platform. And it was powerful, I think, and has been powerful to see them use their platform as student-athletes um, to speak out against injustices, to, uh, to speak their truth for themselves and for their teammates. And so, again, that's something I hope we can sustain. And I think... I think we will. I think we will based on some of the conversations in our, in our Student Athlete Advisory Council leadership and even some of the leadership on the teams. I don't think it's going to be a blip on the screen like we've say, seen in many cases, uh, that there is a willingness and, a, and an importance to them to continue to do those types of things that bring us together as a department. Sometimes you don't always see that because we're so ingrained in what we're trying to do for lacrosse, for tennis, and for football. they got to take care of their craft, take care of their team. Uh, it's easy to forget that there's – there's a bigger team out there, a bigger family, one team, um, 20 teams, one family type deal. Yeah, one of the things that I was most proud of this past summer was you know, being a part of that external team that got a chance to elevate our student athletes and our coaches' voices. Mm -hmm. And whether it was for the racial injustice, whether it was for Veterans Day, whether it was mm -hmm. for any of the number of causes that gave our coaches and our athletes a chance to speak their truth, diversity and inclusion week, et cetera, it was really awesome to be a part of that. And another opportunity is coming up next month, Carrie. You're heavily involved in Women in Sports Month. Mm -hmm. That comes up in February. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I'm excited about that. We used to do a few years back uh, – a, um, a celebration of women in sport and athletics and you know through a number of things where we highlighted some alums that have gone on and been successful and they weren't always the you know we always got the hall of famers the all-americans but there's so many that weren't the best people on the team but man they went on to be successful because of their participation in sport and so as i thought about um this year and i think about where women's athletics has come one of the things we put on fast forward is uh, is uh, we honored joan bond the, what I call the matriarch of women's athletics. She was the first SWA and started most of our women's teams here back in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, you realize 18 of your 23 ch national championships are women's teams. And so we dedicated a whole space and expanded our championship lobby into the upper arena lobby, adding some trophy cases, and named our um, national championship dedication wall the Joan Bond Wall of National Champions. I thought about beyond that, that was kind of one piece of it, but then the next piece is, is continuing to celebrate women in athletics. We have, we have an amazing women's athletic program that has been a powerhouse in so many different um, sports. And so f 
February and the first Wednesday of every February is the National Girl and Women in Sports Day that's initiated by the Women's Sport Foundation. And so I felt like this was an opportunity, not only a responsibility, but also an opportunity to to highlight and celebrate uh, our current women athletes, the athletes of the past, and connect those uh, those athletes of yesterday and today, and do it in a way that uh, we can not only just raise awareness about the impact Title IX's had for those participation opportunities, but celebrate what we're doing today, celebrate what we did yesterday, and then really um, raise some money for our women's teams. We've never had a concerted effort to raise money. Every All of our teams are always fundraising. That's just the nature of it. But raise some money that will do some things that will continue to benefit and help elevate our women's sports programs and, and keep them sustaining that success. And so we have a whole month-long um, uh, thing uh, planned uh, with our development office. We're going to do some social media, highlight some current players, and then just talk about and tell our story uh, that I think is a great one. Yeah, make sure to visit at GVSU Lakers on social media, gvsulakers.com. We'll have that covered for Women in Sports Month all month long coming up in February. And Carrie, you've done a great job spearheading that. Uh, you, not just talking about athletes, but also working in the sports world mm-hmm. is something that I think has become a very focal point in women working in sports. Right. And we talked to Christy Kale Bayer uh, earlier in this podcast. She's now SWA at Emporia State. She's done so many great things working up in the ranks in that. To you, what's it like seeing so many more opportunities coming around for young females to work in the sport industry? Well, I think anytime you can increase, increase diversity from any perspective, I think that's not only an opportunity, but also a responsibility. It just makes us stronger. And I think uh, we have moved women in, in in sports in general have moved the needle, but we still have a long ways to go. And so doing things like our February initiative to celebrate our women in athletics um, is just one piece of it. I sit on the Michigan Task Force for Women in Sport, and, and, and that really encompasses, um, you know, thinking about how we continue to get uh, young girls involved in sport from the young level through elementary and high school, but also about college, but also it's about working in sport, and even professional sports, professional sports team. Uh, I'm also on the board of directors for the Women Leaders in College Sports, also continuing to try and give back and help mentor and, and provide opportunities for professional development. And so all those things, I think, need to be done. And, and, and that's, again, my opportunity and responsibility of what I took on for this year to step outside of what I was doing here um, and give back a little bit to ensure that we continue to move the needle in diversity and equity in that way. How would you compare as somebody who came up in the sports industry and now as a mentor in the sports industry, how would you compare how far it has come for women's opportunities in sports since you got started? I think I was born in 1972, so it's a, I'm a baby of Title IX. <laughs> and, you know, and I have to be so from where I sit, I only sit in the seat that I sit because of the people that really fought battles. I'll be honest, I maybe I lived a charmed life, but I feel like my path um, was much easier and maybe it's just how I attacked it and my intentionality with getting where I wanted to go. But it was much easier because of what the women, the fights, the women. It was used to be a fight. Now it's, it's getting women to seize the opportunities because the opportunities are there. And we're finally gaining, we've had enough years where we've gained the experience to be able to acquire those, uh, those positions in the upper levels. Um, and, but it's also a fight to keep women in sports because we all know about the lifestyle, right? And so they have to make some, some decisions. And so... You know, going to being a mentor, I can look back on my path, um, and it turns out, you know, there were a lot of people involved in my success, 
and and it's not and 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 it's talking to them about getting those people in in their life in their path to success um but also making their own path when there aren't people right and so i think i did a little bit of both none of your greatest accomplishments are done alone uh so i i certainly have a lot of people to thank men and women and so it's not just about it's certainly about women helping women and that's why i'm doing this but it's it's about helping them navigate that path um and I think I have a lot to offer because when I look back, holy cow, I went to college and never left. I entered college in 1990 as a student athlete, was hired directly out of college, got my degree in 1996. Yeah, it took me a few years. Um, and it takes us all a long time. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess I got a 95. I don't know. Maybe it was 96. doesn't matter. I took on another minor. But um, then I got my head coaching job in 1996. And then stayed there for 15 years and decided, I looked around, I loved a college campus, and then and then I'll be darned if they didn't hire me here at Grand Valley as the associate AD. So my path... Did we mention the no, school? No, no. We're not going to mention this. We're not going to mention, we no. Can't, we can't mention where she went to school or <laughs> where she worked. Where she right. coached. coached. It we, was we another GLIAC that. school in the state. Yeah, yeah. born and raised in the GLIAC as yeah. well. It's only 131 yeah. away. Yeah. Right. So my path is a little bit different. So I've seen a few different things, and, and um, you know, I, I think it's... Hopefully, I have something of value uh, to offer. Uh, let's talk. You mentioned your career path, and you come to Grand Valley State replacing Tim Selgo as the <laughs> athletic director. You worked for him first, obviously, as a coach in this league. You coached against Grand Valley State. You saw what Grand Valley State was from afar. Then you got a chance to work for it up close. But Tim Selgo, I mean, he's the head of the Hall of Fame room downstairs. He did, obviously, here for two decades. He left so many lasting legacies. What was it like for you to take over for Tim Selgo and kind of talk about that transition, mm -hmm. kind of how you felt intrinsically doing that? Yeah, well, you know, gosh, it, to follow Tim Selgo, right, it, it's – all I can all I can say is that, um, you know, I think when people looked at, I, I've said this a number of times, when people said, you know, Carrie, what's your vision for Grand Valley Athletics? What they're really saying is, how are you not going to screw this up? <laughs> uh, so I think you need to acknowledge what he built and the time he built it in. And so as we turned the chapter and I became the AD, it wasn't about looking backwards. It was about looking forward and, and, and with the people that I had, about establishing what we looked like going into the future, and and it was a it was a perfect time to take a critical look at how we did things, what we did, and said, okay, how are we going to do these things to sustain success, but also create new opportunities to continue to be successful? Because everybody's evolving, everybody's chasing Grand Valley, and 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 in in some ways people will say we're the standard, but that's not how we operate. We don't operate as if we're the standard. We're always clawing our way to try and you know people say it's different to claw your way at the top, claw your way to the two top, or stay at the top. To me, you're still clawing. You're still fighting for that next competitive edge, and more competitive edges to can create competitive gaps. And so that's kind of how I approached it. Now, you know. I uh, I had a lot to lean on working under Tim Selgo for, I guess, five years before I, I took the AD. And so one of the things, you know, I'm grateful for that because he did a lot. When you talk about advancing women in athletics, he had did a, an enormous amount of work outside of Grand Valley and then also just um, making sure that I developed professionally with whatever my path was. And so he took ownership of that too, just as much as I had to take ownership of it. So I, I can't, I can't diminish the, the impact that had on me being ready and confident to take in the position and follow him. But, uh, it was, it was, uh, I guess I lost my train of thought on, uh, <laughs> professional development, but you know, it, it was, for me, it was, is, is just leaning on the staff that we had and just, they weren't going to let me screw it up. 
and, and they haven't. I've made some bad decisions along the way, but they've, they've helped me rebound through them. And being here since 2017 myself, and I've seen how much of an effort you've made to make the student-athlete experience better while coming through the doors of Grand Valley State. Not to say it was bad in the past, but the upgrades of the mm-hmm. Jamie Hosford Football Center, right. the upgrades to the locker rooms for men's and women's basketball, for baseball, to upgrade the facilities, to create those opportunities for student-athletes to excel in meeting spaces, the development of the SAC, the development mm-hmm. of Walter Moore's new position, the ways that you've helped to develop the student-athlete. That seems like it's something that's incredibly important to you beyond just the field of competition. Yeah, because I think, I think again, if we're delivering the best student-athlete experience, it isn't just start and end it or, or won and lost on the field. We have phenomenal co- coaches that do what they need to do within their program, and they, they create an experience within their program. But we also know we're coaching the whole student. And what does that mean? The whole student is understanding that that student-athlete has academic goals. They have social goals. They, um, they need some guidance along the way beyond just how, how to improve and, and perform better. And so... It wasn't that we weren't doing those things. I just thought that I saw an opportunity to to deliver more on that experience through ensuring that they understood and were ready to go get a job at life after sports. Um, one of the things that struck me the most, and I'll tell this story, is April, um, I guess it was April of my first year, or April of, of, no, it was April right when I was hired. I was sitting in a, a meeting with... Um, for the Laker Leadership Development Program where we had a bunch of seniors and and kids that had finished their eligibility. There were some women's basketball players that were done playing. And we were talking about what they were going to do. And one of those student-athletes, a female student-athlete, said, man, I had a great experience here. I had a great playing career. Uh, I'm going to graduate in a few weeks, but I have no idea what I'm going to do. My heart sunk. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This was a kid that never had any academic problems. She was a good probably 3-3, 3-2 student, was going to get her degree in four years flat. Um, did well on the court, and we failed her. Somehow we didn't get her to engage outside of her sport and her classroom to make her ready, to get her the right internship, to get her the right connections with our alumni, to get her to get her in that space where she could say, I am ready to attack the world because I was a student athlete here. So it got some thinking going in terms of some things I think we could do and resources we could provide, not just for those that we know need it, right that like we have an academic laker academic success center we know who needs that well we know they're going to get guidance to the resources then you have your high achieving they got three job offers in april (laughs) before they leave right and then you have what i call the murky middle that those are the ones that can get lost if we don't make sure that they know the resources and sort of pull them in a little bit and say hey do you have your resume have you been to the career center uh hey we have this laker impact series where you can learn a little bit more about find you know different career fields and have kind of a different a different um uh, mentoring or opportunities and we get and the other thing is I got so many emails of employers looking to hire student athletes I thought man we got to harness this and get our student athletes to these people and in front of these people and so that's how I created Walter Moore's position the student athlete welfare and development and and that's really still in its infant stages of developing that and, and understanding the resources we need and some some kids have benefited from it you know he's helped kids some of our I shouldn't say kids they're adults now, but he's, he's helped some student-athletes get in front of some people that they wouldn't have 
but for his his relationships he's built and some of the communications he's had. And so that's what we want to do. We want him to look back and say, I had a great experience, got a date, great degree. You know what? And I jump started my career because of my ex, because of my relationships in Grand Valley Athletics. Absolutely, Tim. You got anything else? No, we're good. And then before I let you go, the one question, the one thing you've said every meeting that we've been involved in, we are going to get through this. That's probably <laughs> how you've started and ended every mm-hmm. meeting. So when we get through this global pandemic, when things get back to normal, what is your vision for the future of Grand Valley State in the next few years, athletics-wise, once we can get back to putting kind of this in the rear view and get back to normalcy? Well, I said this, I think, today in our meeting. I said the number one thing I can't wait to do after COVID is hug people. So... I'm going to start hugging people. <laughs> no, but, I, I, you know, my vision is, again, we've had one foot in today, and we've had, we're trying to keep one foot in tomorrow. And so I think it goes back to focusing on really kind of a restructure based on some of the changes we made, especially on the external side with some personnel um, in terms of, of what we're going to look like a little leaner, but also start to set the priorities again. Um, of where we're going to expend resources that have the most impact on our student-athletes. And whether we start to talk again about facility enhancement, start to talk about, again, in, in terms of, of looking at what it is we need for our student-athletes. We launched the um, Laker refueling station a couple years ago because the kids said to me, we're hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have time. We, we need that quick fuel. And so, man, I was so proud of this Laker refueling station that uh, we had with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, hummus, power, you know. And, and then because of COVID, we had – so I'm looking – we had to shut that down because of COVID. I'm looking forward to providing those things again and then even enhancing that some way, somehow. Uh, looking at the enhancement of our strength and conditioning program uh, to provide, you know, more professionals uh, access to more of our teams um, and doing those things, filling in some gaps that I don't think people realize we have um, because we are, our coaches are so self-sufficient with taking care of their programs. We don't worry about what we don't have. We take what we do have and we go and use our competitive spirit. We find a way to yes, we find a way to overcome what we don't have. And so I'm trying to fill in some of those gaps, um, that way. That, that's kind of some of the things that I'm, I'm, uh, looking forward to doing again and thinking about how to make us better, not just survive. Well, on behalf of your staff, Carrie, thank you so much for everything you've done over the last seven, eight months to kind of keep everything moving and keep everybody positive and afloat. And hopefully the next time we have you on this podcast, we can give you a big old hug <laughs> when you come through the doors. But until that time, right. thanks so much as always and get back to work. We All can, right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. We can talk about some wins. Yeah, baby. That interview with Athletic Director Carrie Becker was brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light's distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. By Uccello's, where great food and sports come together. By DTE Energy, know your own power. By Mervine Beverage, drink responsibly. And by Fox Motors. Well, Carrie talked about a lot of different avenues, Tim, in which Grand Valley looks to move forward while also trying to keep things afloat. And you, you just look at how impressive it was that this athletic department was able really to get from 308 days ago to where they are right now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been a lot of work and it's been a lot of um, uh, ups and downs. I mean, you know, uh, t- when you're dealing with everything that, that the country was dealing with, the world was dealing with, uh, you're not really sure. And you, t- you, you try to plan and college athletics in there and which is our job and and not be able to play and practice and and you know it's always you're not really sure where you fit and uh carrie did a great job of of leading the department and the university did a great job of leading our 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 department into where the 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 point where 
now we're getting ready to play games. And, you know, I, you know, I remember in the summer we talked about, oh, we're going to play football, we have to play football, and then, it, you know, it's time, you know, no, we're not going to play football. Right. And we're not playing soccer, we're not playing volleyball, no cross country, um, no, no sports at all in the fall. But teams were able to practice, and that was kind of a, you know, that, that was great for them to practice. It was great for us to get out and cover some practices and, 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 and cover athletics and keep our jobs. I mean, our jobs depend on these events, and we didn't have any events. Um, so it was fun to, to kind of hit that point, and then you kind of, okay, now we're shooting towards 21. You know, I think in 21 we're going to be able to play. And you, you always thought that was the case, but you weren't – you didn't know. I mean, orders Nothing coming down from sure. the governor, you know, from, and, and we'd move forward. We'd take two steps forward, one step back, take three steps forward, five steps back. Right. I mean, it was always – you never really knew. Uh, orders were coming out, and, and so it was frustrating. Yeah, you remember back when school kind of just had gotten underway and practice was under full bore, but then there was a new – mandate that came down and it was up to our athletic department to decide do we continue to try to practice through this do we hey say let's take a couple of weeks off and evaluate Carrie made the decision to take a couple of weeks off and I think that was a huge payout down the end because what it did was it allowed Grand Valley State to be in a position where we knew we were healthy we knew all of our athletes were following protocol we got ourselves to a place where we could go back to practice full bore and ever since then there really haven't been any issues so some of those decisions that are really hard in the moment that Kerry had to make and you know you can't take these lightly because you think about what it does to these kids psyche you think what about it right. does to our student athletes mindset to the coaches mindset to the administrators mindset all the way top to bottom so a lot of really tough decisions that have still had to be made and I think it's a phenomenal job to get us to where we are well I think the frustrating part too for us was the different levels you know you had Michigan, Michigan State, and the Division One schools being able to do this, and and it because their counties were, you know, maybe in a different space. Ottawa County mm-hmm. and Kent County were in in, the, in in this neck of the woods, and they were being treated differently, and and so there was so much that you didn't know, and there's so much that, that was changing daily, and where we stood and where we wanted to go, we we, we knew that, but it was just a, kind of a winding road to get there, and. Guess what? We're there. Now we're ready to take advantage of it. That's right. Right around the corner, our athletic competition starting this Friday. Let's get to some segments here. First, we're going to start off with our team of the week. It's presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And, of course, this week's team of the week is the 2021 women's basketball team. They open the season on the road this week and become the first team to compete since last March, and we are so excited about it that we named them our team of the week presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield. Tim, we previewed that GVSU women's basketball team's games against Saginaw earlier in the podcast, but just, again, I don't think we can stress enough how excited excited we are to have athletic competition and what it's going to mean to us, whether we listen, follow live stats, watch it on the live stream, whatever it is, to get to consume a GVSU Lakers athletic event tomorrow. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be it's great for us. It's going to, you know, we've been excited about it, just getting everything ready. We've had some meetings, some staff meetings, kind of planning out what we need to do because, because fans aren't going to be in the stands. We need to adjust what we do. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that what they're seeing on the screen or hearing on the radio or watching on social media uh, that is it, it, that they're able to keep up and it's a great experience for them you know we got to make sure that we have our p's and q's uh, uh buttoned up and we're ready to go and we're having a, a great experience and and there's no excuses about not having enough time because we've had 308 days right to, to get ready for it so 
Yeah, you, you, we've, had, we've had countless meetings now with our students, our graduate assistants, ourselves, to make sure everyone's on the same page, to make sure that everyone knows what their roles are, how we're going to cover these games in a way that is both safe for everybody involved, but right. also gives the best possible content. And that's all going to be really fun to see come to fruition as well. I mean, I, I love sitting here talking to you, but you know, it's enough meetings already. Let's yeah, play some games. Yeah, let's, 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 get, let's get on with the games. <laughs> Speaking of getting on with it, let's get on to our Lakers spotlight presented by Ziegler Automotive. And we're going to go the other way and spotlight the senior class for the Grand Valley State men's basketball team. Stephen Lloyd, Jake Van Tubergen, Christian Negron, Isaac Gassman, Delion Brown, and Jordan Harris are opening their senior season this weekend. And even though it doesn't technically count against their eligibility and they can come back for that next year, still, Tim, there's something special about starting your senior year. Yeah, there is. And, you know, um, you know, we were talking about it uh, earlier today in the office, um, talking about we kind of there's some there's some football players who never got to experience their senior year that have gotten jobs and, and they're going to move on in life. Right. You know what was supposed to be their senior year and they and they'd worked so hard to get to the point where all conference honors, all American honors, and, and ready for that senior year and it, it never came to fruition. And you feel badly for those guys that the, that they didn't get to experience that. Some are coming back to experience their senior year, but some some aren't. And uh, and and you f- you feel badly for them and and you. You hurt for them because that's a special time. You've put in all that hard work. It's the culmination of your career, um, and and then you know the locker room talks and the you know spending time with your with your fellow uh, student athletes and, and teammates. And so, you know, we're excited for these guys and we're excited to move forward. Um, but again, as we talked earlier, there's some people that, that didn't get to experience that, and we feel badly for them. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk all the time about getting to watch the 17, 18-year-old freshman that comes mm-hmm. in maybe a little timid, a little shy, doesn't really know what's going on, kind of just tries to fit in. And you see them over the course of those four years grow into somebody who's at the top and become that leader, and then they help bring in the next wave. And to not get the crescendo of that right. career arc certainly is something that you know they're going to miss out on. I'm sure they're bummed about. Of course, it's great if they're moving on. It means they got a job yeah. or they've got something going on in their life that's outstanding for them. And you know, obviously, you know, way down the line, that'll be a great thing for them. But at the same time, they still miss out on that big moment that we talk about and of course that's something that you don't want to miss that that is our Ziegler automotive senior spotlight the GVSU men's basketball seniors that get a chance to begin that journey here this weekend and for one final segment we have our great moment in Laker history and it's a moment that's uh, about to come there Tim yeah uh, our great moment in Laker history is going to be uh, just getting started again you know we're, we're so excited the last 308 days without sports has been a, a trying time for us um, and we obviously it's a trying time for the entire world, uh, but we are excited to get moving forward and, and, and getting back on the court and covering the teams and student-athletes coaches that we love covering so much and, and relaying that information on to our fans and parents and, 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 and the fo- followers of Grand Valley State Athletics. So, it's, you know, we talked about we've never experienced anything like this. No one has uh, in, in their lifetime. And uh, so we're just excited to be moving forward, excited to for 2021 to you know have a prosperous year in laker athletics that is our great moment in laker history presented by the randy katterberg agency well it's enough talk it's time to play some sports we're really excited to get things going this weekend one more time we remind you the women's basketball team is on the road this weekend friday afternoon and saturday afternoon at 3 p.m at saginaw valley state make sure you check out gvsulakers.com and at gvsuwbb on social media to find out how you can follow those games live. Of course, we'll have updates on there as well as those games unfold. 
Men's basketball is this weekend as well. They host Saginaw Valley games on Saturday at 1 p.m., Sunday at 3 p.m. You can hear Saturday's game on Talk 1230 WTKG or the iHeart app, and you can also hear the Sunday game on ESPN 961 or the iHeart app. Both games will be streamed live for $9.95 apiece on the WatchGVSN app and www.watchgvsn.com. The Grand Valley Sports Network will have all of that coverage. Well, Tim, the next time we do this podcast, we'll have some results to talk about. Looking forward to it. But you know, you've done a great job leading the communications department through 308 days of no games to talk about. Can't wait to talk about those games with you. So great job, man. We've made it. Let's have some fun this weekend. Thanks, Jake. Great job. All right, and thank you to Laker Nation as well for bearing with us during this podcast while we had no sports. We can't wait to talk to you next week and break down everything again. Make sure you follow at GVSU Lakers on social media and visit GVSULakers.com for all the up-to-date information on GVSU Athletics. This has been another episode of the Anchor Up podcast presented by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GVSU Athletics, your health, our passion. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week with sports underway. Oh, oh, oh.